On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. <laughs> Uh, welcome to Tuesday on Sky Sports Radio. If you've been listening to the Big Sports Breakfast all morning, uh, welcome back. And if you've just tuned in, good morning to you. A big day coming up. We've got uh, two meetings in New South Wales today. Scone and Wagga will be at Scone at lunchtime, and that's for the first, and Wagga at 12.55. We've got a good show of punters post-mortem coming up. We've got Chris Roots, Glenn Munsey, and Michael Maxworthy joining us a little bit later on. We'll check in with Richard Callender over there and Royal Ascot, of course, a big night tonight especially for New South Wales eyes because one of our best nature strip is taking on the world and we'll be racing there around 12.40 tonight in that Kingstand Stakes. We'll find out exactly what the big fella is up to. He would have joined us on a Tuesday anyway, Richard, and he'll be over there all week chiming in for Sky Sports Radio. And and uh, I, I must admit... It's, uh, it's fascinating to see who will start favourite tonight in that race, but we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. We've got plenty of greyhounds and harness action coming away under New South Wales today, so opportunities to back a winner are plentiful. Nick Cunyak has the scratchings, though, for our meetings today in New South Wales. In fact, no, not Nick. Westie, g'day, Leanne. G'day, Dave. Let's start I'm up with it. I'm up and about the Socceroos are through to the World Cup, and I'm just, I'm all over, I've been all over the shop since 5 30 this morning. Yeah, you gave Nick a bit of a scare, but anyway, let's <laughs> uh, let's go with Scone, where the weather is fine. The rail is at three metres, the Pinno reads 4.88, and the track is a soft five. There are 27 scratchings from race one, number eight, one pose. Race two, take out the emergency 15. From race three, number one, bullet wing. Two, Navajo Peak. 8, Controlocracy, and 11, Opal Glory, 1, 2, 8, and 11. From race 4, number 3, Racimi, 5, Misstatement, 12, Quick as Hell, 13, Namara, 14, TC Tiger, and the Emergency, 16, so that's 3, 5, 12, 13, 14, and 16. Race 5, number 2, Sea Haven, 4, My Eyes Adore You, 5, Thailand, 8, Garrus, and 12, Amy Excels, 2, 4, 5, 8, and 12. To race 6, scratch number 9, Miss Kono. From race 7, number 2, The Chosen One, 6, Ray of Dreams, 7, Take the Shot, and 8, Rustly Crown, 2, 6, 7, and 8. And from race 8, scratch 9, Harmony Halo, 12, Penny Halfpenny, 13, Sterny Bear, and the emergencies 16 and 17. So that is 9, 12, 13, 16 and 17 out of the last at Scone. We will go to Wagga where the weather is overcast. The rail is at 9 metres from the 1400 to the winning post and 3 metres for the remainder. The tracks are heavy 9. There are 23 scratchings. From race 4, sorry, race 1, number 4, it was me. Race 2, number 1, Hilltop Hood. Four, Tudor Prince, nine, Shiny Rock, and ten, Garrett Road, one, four, nine, and ten. From race three, number four, Divine Miss, and five, Kattegat, that's four and five. Race four, scratch number two, Matash, three, Vayamos, six, Chitabi, eleven, Miss Horsborough, and the emergency, fourteen, two, three, six, eleven, and fourteen. From race five, number six, Defence Force, eight, Arachidi, and eleven, Mystic Flame, six, eight, and eleven. From race six, take out six, The Great Man, and the emergencies, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. And from race seven, scratch number one, Snowbella, Nine, Tornak, and the emergencies, 14 and 15. That is one, nine, 14 and 15 out of the last at Wagga. Dave. Fantastic, Leanne. Thank you very much for that. Uh, anything else changes today with our meetings, we will let you know here on Sky Sports Radio. So there's Scone and Wagga. If you're playing on the Greyhounds this afternoon, New South Wales-wise, we are at Bulleye, Gosford and Grafton on this Tuesday the 14th. And harness racing from Menangle. We'll have late mail from Mick Courtlatter today along with Fred Hastings. And that 
is our, well, we've got one meeting today uh, with Menangle, the second being Wagga tonight. So we've got plenty of New South Wales content to sink our teeth into today on Sky Sports Radio. Our panel today, we're going to kick start with uh, Glenn Munsey and Chris Roots. I'll say good morning to you, Glenn, first. Um, great scenes this morning with the Socceroos, mate. How was your weekend on the punt, though? Your long weekend on the punt? It was a bloody. Uh, it was a long weekend, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> uh, um, I know that. Uh, I was in Brisbane Friday and Saturday. Went to Hawkesbury Sunday. I was at Warwick Farm yesterday. So it was a, a very, very long weekend. But uh, no thanks to Cliff's Art. Um, I hope we saw some people into it on the punters panel on Friday morning. Uh, well, that was basically the weekend, Dave. That's all you need. Yeah, exactly right. Chances. 100%. Uh, Chris Roots, uh, plenty of sights and sounds to come out of uh, Brisbane on the weekend where you were for the Sydney Morning Herald. And, well, alligator blood for Gay Waterhouse. What a marvel. 150 Group 1s. Yeah, she's done. She's just just a, a, an incredible trainer at Grey Waterhouse. You know, we, we take her for granted, I think, and it's hard to take Gay for granted, but. When you put put that in the, in context, 150 group ones, only a father and Bart Cummings are ahead of her, and she's done it in in much less time and has has just built and built and built. It's been marvelous, and what what she did with this horse, and she gave all the credit. I have to I have to say, I spoke to Gail Saturday night. She gave all the credit to Adrian for for bringing Alligator Blood back into forms. She said he's got it. He's got. This horse back is a happy horse, got him in the right frame of mind, and we saw that on the weekend. I know there'd be a few people, including a couple on this panel, that would um, still be wondering how far um, Private Eye should have won by, but um, a very good straddle break, and very sad that Alan Elders um, had to watch the, watch, the, um, watch the race with his wife in a coma, dying of cancer, and unfortunately she passed away on Saturday, so, Sunday, so all our... Um, all our thoughts go out to him and his family, and hopefully we um, get to see this horse again. Yeah, it was it was a uh, a great race, um, and uh, it, you're exactly right there with what you say about um, Alan and his wife. Uh, that was awful news to see Alan uh, tweet yesterday, and uh, everyone uh, condolences to the family from Sky Sports Radio. Um, what did you make of uh, the the run of Alligator Blood Muns and, and the second horse? Yes, I was talking through my pocket when I threw out a little tweet saying, geez, I thought Private Eye was unlucky. And it's one of those um, runs where I can't blame Brenton. I can't blame anyone. It was just racing and that's just what happens. Yes, Dave, uh, I'll put my hand up on the uh, the private eye situation as well. Um, not often you find 20 to 1 chances in Group 1 races, Dave, that you know that should have won by as far as you can kick your hat. But, well, you know, racing's racing and some day you have the luck and others you don't. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think we've made enough of um, Adrian Bott's involvement in mm. the alligator blood situation. I know Gay is the, well, the primary uh, trainer, for want of a better term, in the partnership. But she was quite humble in, in trying to heap some more praise than what Adrian had actually gained because, you know, he's basically been single-handedly got this horse back to where he was. A perfect ride from Timmy Clark. Um, and he just had the luck that Private Eye didn't. Uh, I thought there was a couple of other good runs in the race. Uh, totally forget 11-11 went round. Uh, isotope went off in the barriers. Uh, before the race, that that affected Apache Chase's chances because he missed the start, and when he missed the start, he was never ever going to be the same horse. Eleven Eleven was upset, and then he got a check in the race, and Huey basically eased him down out of the race there. Uh, but you know, w- when you look back at this horse's career, Alligator Blood, he, he probably doesn't get uh, the kudos that he deserves. No, probably not. Uh, what did you make? of the way the race was run. Was it surprising? Because we were talking about Hilter Skelter, early doors, uh, Munns and Chris, but um, it seemed like once Rothfire got to the front, nothing really wanted to, to get involved and take him on. Well, I think well, everyone was... was looking for Apache Chase, Dave. That that, that was the main yeah. situation. Robert Heathcote had been well documented. He said it was going to be handlebars down for Rothfire and Apache Chase, you take us on uh, at your own um, will. But when, when Apache Chase wasn't there, I, I think a few of the riders went, hang on, what's going on here? You know, because they expected, you know, Apache Chase to be holding the inside because he drew inside. Rothfire to come out, come across outside him and then to sort of burn along. Well, when Rothfire got to the front and it, there was nothing there with him, well, they just didn't go as hard as what I think everyone thought they would. 
There were lines of Christian. lines of three, which there were lines of three, which sort of said that there wasn't wasn't the speed everyone thought, and sort of ended up with Rothfire getting the run he needed to get to win at fourteen hundred meters. But Timmy Clark just got this horse on the turn to the to the outside, and that was the winning of the race. He he he, he was building momentum as um, uh, Private Eye, and I watched the race with Muns, and um, there was a bit of ooh ah, what the hell's happening here? as um, Private Eye was looking for runs. And by the time he got clear, um, Alligator Blood was off and gone and a couple of lengths in front. He ran into about a length, but um, probably no doubt he, sh- he would have won if they both had clear running. But in the end, the best ride won the race. And um, I think with Alligator Blood, we probably do undersell him and we might see a very special horse in the spring in Melbourne because he won't be in Sydney. What uh, what do we do, guys, uh, with um, with a horse like Ayrton moving forward? What did you make of the run of Ayrton months? Uh, well, I, I think it was all just you know it, it was all too much for Ayrton. You know he 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 hadn't handled the track at the at the Gold Coast. Um, he was you know he was then at that stage on a Doomben Cup path. You know, to stretch out over a little bit of ground. Uh, he didn't handle the track at the Gold Coast. And then, we're, OK, we'll change your plans. We'll come back and we'll run him in the Stradbroke. Well, um, I must admit, I didn't have him, you know, in there uh, in the race on Saturday. I just thought it was the wrong sort of race for him. Um, Mick Price on, on Saturday night, he was sort of, you know, just shrugged the shoulders and said, well, we'll just, you know put him away now and see what happens and um you know he, he was disappointed in in his run um but maybe it was just all just came a little bit quick for it and changing the plans mm. chris i think he held i think he held his place in the market on 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 reputation alone so i think if if you really looked at it and, and cut it back and said where should he have been in the market he probably should have been out towards 15 dollars and you know and he basically ran like that. I think I, I couldn't find him. I couldn't have him in the top three or four in the race. And um, it, it's just one of those ones with the way the tracks have been. We've been talking about this for a long time, that there's going to be some changes of form in, in the spring. And if, you, if you're if you a fan of Ayrton, don't give up on him once he gets back to Melbourne on, on dry tracks. So it's going to be, that's going to be the interesting thing out of the, out of the last couple of months. The horses that actually didn't handle tracks and things like that and had had no luck, they're going to be the ones that could surprise and go around at bigger odds during the spring. Yeah, and just that point in, in case with Chris talking about horses, you know, that have been on the wet coming back to the dry. I, I spoke to Joe Pride yesterday after Dehorned Unicorn won. And that was a perfect case in point. He said, I've just been waiting to get this horse on top of the ground. But it's not going to work for every single horse. Those horses that have had, you know, a few runs on the really wet tracks that are looking for a dry track, he said, they're just too tired by the time they get to a drier track. Whereas others that may not have had as arduous a campaign or their run spaced, uh, they have the the scope to really springboard back on top of to a former surf a, a firmer surface. And Dehorn Unicorn yesterday was a perfect example. Cliff's Art was a perfect example on Saturday at Randwick. You know, it, it had only had three runs back this time in and they were spaced uh, and it just got back onto a better quality track on Saturday. Well, we've got tomorrow. We've got a good four already on the Kenzo track tomorrow and we've got a good four already at Rose Hill on Saturday. So just expect the possibilities of, of some reversals. Um, and we had a couple yesterday at Warwick Farm. But, you know, that, that's you've just got to try and work out what are the horses that have still got something left in the tank that they're getting back on top of the ground that they want. It's the fresh horses, months that are going to be the, be the ones that you want to want to be looking at. They're the ones that are going to um, really springboard into these. And we're going to have winter, winter, winter good tracks now. So it looks like we've got a bit of dry weather coming, coming along. So um, it's going to be those horses that haven't been on these wet tracks and training on these tracks. I spoke to Chris Waller about this before he went to England, and he said that the hardest thing for them is not just the racing. It's been they haven't had a good surface to gallop on, and he does a lot of his work on grass. He says when he gallops them on a on a on the pro ride, it's not as as strong a work or doesn't take enough out of them to give them the the base for what they need. So he's a very big believer in in a good gallop grass gallops much better than a gallop on a pro ride. So. And a lot of the training's been done on pro rides because there's just been no grass for anyone for the last three months. 
All right, gents, we've got a special guest joining us on the line all the way from the UK, Richard Callender. He's up nice and late, getting ready for the King Stand tomorrow and that Australian representation. G'day, Richard. Welcome to Punters Postmortem, mate. Good morning, David. Good morning, Mans. Good morning, Ruder. And I tell you what, unusually, I've agreed with most of the things that the boys have said. But uh, yeah, it'll be uh, with Ayrton particularly. Uh, he's got to go back to the drawing board. Not often you can say, but Big Price got it totally wrong. Zoomman Cup, heavy track, jumping straight up in distance. There was more hope of me beating Usain Bolt in 100 metres. How uh, is Richard, the... Good, good evening to you. And, you go, the months, big, you go. The big question that's got to be asked, <laughs> um, are you still at the tailors trying to find a suit and a top hat? No, no, Glenn, that's all taken care of. Uh, the only thing that wasn't taken care of was the amount that the prices are now being charged uh, over here in England for the hire of the top hat and tails. Let me tell you, they have escalated since 2014 when I was here last. Uh, if one man can find a rort not to pay as much, it'll be you. Oh, no, 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 no. My credit card was uh, was uh, declined. I had to ring my wife in Australia. Set the scene for us, mate. Um, obviously, uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful to see how it all unfolds tonight. Over here in Australia, I, I'll get months to maybe give us a market update after um, your thoughts, but I see that he is favourite. And even J-Mac a couple of weeks ago was having a joke with us on air saying that he can't believe Nature Strip wasn't favourite at the time. How big a threat do you think the Wallace Stable think Golden Powers? Are they, is there any is there any concern or do you think it's just a matter of turn up and we'll show him everyone he's the best in the world? Oh no no, very much concern, he's a speed horse, there's no doubt about that, not often you can say you go into a, a race and you don't expect Nature Strip to lead, I, I just think I think Chris and James and I had breakfast with um, with Chris yesterday morning once we arrived, we went up to uh, near Newbury where Chris is and um, where the horses are at Lambourne and uh, saw the horses and had a, a good breakfast and a good chat with Chris and you know they don't uh, Chris fully expects Golden Powell to lead and but he said we've been undone before worrying about the others James will ride Nature Strip and worry about Nature Strip alone um, just make sure he's right even if the Golden Powell's five in front James will have him in his sights but he'll get him when he wants to get him at the th- uh, inside I'd say that Golden Powell will lead to the furlong and hopefully. You know, nature strips quality and class. Um, but look, what James said was right. It was unusual um, that uh, it's been for the last what month that Golden Powell's been favourite, uh, particularly on the UK markets. But in the last 24, 48 hours over here, it's been a big swoop. Uh, nature strips been a very good value. It was four to one over here, now into about uh, uh, fifteen to eight, two to one favourite, and really uh, top the market. Golden Powell's on the drift. That doesn't have anything What's to happening? do with you arriving, Richard, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell What's you. What's happening with the market, Munns? Yeah, well, he's a two dollar eighty favourite nature strip uh, since the market. This final field market went up. Uh, he's been averaged out at exactly three dollars, and he's now a two dollar eighty chance. Golden Pal's a four dollar chance. Nature strip has four times the amount of money on him than what Golden Pal does. Only one other runner in single figures is Twilight Calls, who's at eight fifty. Moonista is at twelve, Man of Promise at thirteen, King's Lynn at sixteen, uh, Lazuli is at twenty one, existent and winter power are twenty six dollars each of two. Now I'm sure you've done the form over there, Richard. He got barrier ten, so that basically puts them in the middle because their barriers go, well, we'd say outside fence uh, in, don't they? Yeah, and uh, to use Chris Waller's words at breakfast, absolutely perfect barrier. Um, didn't want to be really didn't want to be on one side. Wanted to be in the middle to work out where you want to be and where to follow. He's race three on the card, seven races now. But uh, Chris just said the um, and Charlie Duckworth was having with us yesterday morning for the discussion. Charlie said last Friday morning was huge for both home affairs, but particularly Nature Strip. The first walk around the mounting yard, he said, Nature Strip, you could just feel that little bit of panic in him. Um, but once he got around once and then we walked out, he said he, j- he could just feel and go, OK, I understand what we're doing here. And um, he said he just felt it. He said, I'm not saying you could see it from outside, but Charlie Duckworth, who was leading him, said you could feel him just relax and understand it. And his gullet was just on fire. Not often you go away on a and take a horse halfway around the world um, and... 
there hasn't been a hiccup. He's absolutely in perfect order, nature strip, and uh, I know that uh, all the owners that are, that have come over, and it's a, it's a big contingent. They're gonna they're gonna have the thrill of their lifetime. You don't come for the money. There's no doubt about that. If you're racing for money, you stay where the money's the best. That's called Australia. They've come here. The horses uh, like Home Affairs is going to be worth somewhere to 45, 50 million as a stallion. But nature strips one close to 20. They're here for the thrill, the excitement, and to showcase their sprinter. And uh, he's in A1 order. Yeah, speaking of that work the other morning, Friday morning, uh, how many horses are actually given the opportunity to work at, at uh, well, uh, Ascot? Royal Ascot, yeah. It's only Royal Ascot for the week, isn't it? There's not Royal Ascot. Until yeah, well, it only starts tonight. Um, Last I'm, Friday, I'm it was sure. still just Ascot. <laughs> I'm not sure, um, uh, Glenn, in relation to how many are, but I'll tell you the biggest thing that um, and we spoke to Chris about, and the biggest, the whole thing about the, the scenario is that many years ago when Chris travelled and where all the horses stay at Newmarket, and from Newmarket to Royal Ascot or to Ascot, you know, is two two and a half hours. Well, on Friday morning, it, it took the, the Freedmans with Atorius 2.35 to get there and just over two, uh, two hours, 45 to get back home. From where Chris stays at Lambourne, it's, 40 and, it's about 35 and 40 minutes either way. These horses back home having an eat, having a rest, and they were still on their seven-hour tour. Um, uh, in, incredible, and, uh, and and that's why Chris had to fight a little bit to make sure he stayed at Lambourne, the British Racing Authority, and that. They wanted to stay at Newmarket, but Chris said, listen, um, horse comes first, I'm going to Lambourne. My foreman knows the area. He grew up around the area. We're okay there, and everything's been perfect from day one right up there. Mm. Um, just on Chris, mate. Um, obviously, we know that you know you're quite close with him. Uh, he's a good friend of yours. He's, he seems like a quite a reflective bloke. He's achieved a lot in his career already, um, and he will continue to achieve a lot here in Australian racing. But is this is this have you had any deep conversations with him about what what it would mean to to win a race like this? Because it's not for any financial benefit to him in terms of the prize money. It's it's the prestige and it's putting his name, the Australian and the Kiwi name, on the map and, and proving that he is one of the best in the world. Oh, look, look, a couple of things we spoke about, Dave, uh, this morning were um, the English press were just absolutely gobsmacked that Chris could stand there for almost two hours, an hour and three quarters, discuss it with them, do individual interviews as well as a full interview, invite everyone up for the morning. Uh, they laughed and just said, this is just a, you know, we'd never, ever, ever dream of an English trainer doing this for us, you know, to give us this opportunity to, 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 to see so much and open up about the horse. In relation to Chris and the milestones, well, I think Chris has um, been pretty open for all of us in Australia from, from when he started to build his career. Um, I think the Australian public are... Um, are excited and you know uh, for what Chris can do, but you know Chris doesn't forget the days when he's you know he was back on the, the dairy farm back in you know New Zealand and, and now what he's done in Australia. I think he's just thankful. But what you say is right. He'll reflect on it and just shake his head. But I can tell you the reason he's staying well away from London, Chris, is because he's here for business. He's here about nature trip and home affairs. He's here about his business back in Australia. He's just on the computer, and as soon as the race is over Saturday. He flies straight back. He's got a major business in Australia to run, and he is all business. You know, it's, um, some of us become to enjoy the theatre, the atmosphere. Chris comes to get the job done. Pleasure talking to you this morning, Richard. Uh, we'll t- check in with you throughout the week and how it unfolds, and hopefully we might even chat to you tomorrow morning at our time here on HQ when we're uh, reflecting on a big win from Nature's Trip and hopefully a good performance from Golden Power because... Uh, from a, a, a Tab Everest point of view, I'd love to see it run well and I'd love to see the Coolmore Army uh, produce golden power down here you know, when it comes to our spring. Yeah, look, uh, no doubt about that. And I, I appreciate by letting me go now, Dave, because it's only 35 minutes. The gym the gym closes at 1am in the morning here, so at least Stop I've got half an hour in. All right, we'll leave you be. Uh, here he is, Richard Callender, joining us, of course, from, uh, from RaceNet and also Sky Thoroughbred Central. Just on golden power, Chris... I know you're, um, you know, close with the Coolmore team. Uh, they're quite, obviously, we know he's a, a very nice horse, Golden Power, but they're, they're quite keen to somehow get him here. If obviously Wesley Ward can get those flights and and come for a Tab Everest. 
Yeah, it's um, an interesting one, isn't it? Um, when you go through the form of Australian horses that have won at Ascot in particular, they win the race before the last 100 metres. So they're, they're often gone at the, at the furlong, and that's what Nature Strip's um, style of racing will suit. Now, we've seen Nature Strip before sit on Eduardo and go past him in, in TJ. So I don't think that's a pr- problem because... Um, I know that the Coolmore people, the Coolmore people, think this horse is the fastest horse they've ever had. So um, I, don't, I don't think there's much doubt that um, Golden Powell will lead, and I think Nature Strip will sit off him. And I think they'll put a gap in these English horses because the the way Australian and American horses race uh, is straight from the barriers. Where in England they like to lob out, get into a river, and and go and and then build into the races. These horses could be a good three or four lengths, five lengths in front coming to the 400, and it could it could turn into a real war. But I've just got so much um, admiration for Nature Strip and what what they've been able to do with him, getting to come back and sit back on his sit, come back into the bridle. And talking to James McDonald the other, other day, he said that makes him so special to him because he's had so much to do with selling this horse there and getting him to settle and be able to run. A strong 1,200 metres. Remember a couple of years ago, we were saying, oh, Nature Strip, he won't run 1,200 metres. He's won three TJs. Mm, he's, won a, he's won, a, he's won a, a BRC sprint. He is, he is an absolute beast at 1,200 metres. And at, at 1,000, he'll be able to use the speed of Golden Power to take him to where he needs to be. And then I think at, the, at about the 300 or, or just inside it, James will go, let's go, and that... That will be about it, and he'll be um he'll be off and gone. Yeah, and what about this uphill run home at at, at, at Ascot? Is you know he, that's going to sort a few out as well if they're going to be chasing a long way from home. Yeah, what what happens, Mums, is with the uphill run, you cannot make up as much ground ground if you're a, a late sweeper. You've got to you've got to be in the race. You'll see a lot of races at Ascot where you, you think something's coming very quickly at the two hundred. And then that last little bit, if, as long as the leaders keep keep going and aren't tiring, they they're very hard to run down. It's just you've got to be strong at the end of the race. But what what we saw with Black Caviar was when Luke Nolan said stop, because they're going up such an incline. It's like when you're when you're um, at the end of one of your marathons, Muns, and you've got to go up that last climb, and you you want to stop, and you stop, and you completely stop and can't get going again. And that's what happened with um, Black Caviar. So. What James will be very um, mindful of in the run will be not to use to use his sprint effectively, but keep something in the tank for that last hundred meters. So the last hundred meters is really like a hundred and fifty meters. If 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 we were going to put it in yeah and meters terms, you've got to be uh, very strong through the line. So a weak horse gets run down, but a strong horse through the line that's 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 out in front is very hard to run down. Gents, just a comment on uh, lastly before we move on, we'll take a break and then we'll get into uh, having a look at uh, the, some callers thirteen fifty three fifty three the open line. But do you think there's a little bit more added pressure, Glenn, with Nature Strip this year in regards that you know, not saying that uh, uh, Dan Morton or, or uh, Steve Arnold or Lee Friedman, Craig Newitt. I mean, th- these are our two biggest names in racing, Chris Waller and James McDonald. Um, this horse has been winning our best sprint race, you know, Tab Everest's and, and, and other big sprint races. Is there a little bit more pressure, do you think, on those two gents? Because this looks like a real, you know, it's, it's one of our best and, and they're our best that have gone over and, and representing us this time. I'd be very surprised, Dave, if Nature Strip gets home tonight that Chris will rate it as probably one of his greatest achievements in training. Mm. Uh, he, he's been quite vocal over the years about he's not bullish about travelling his horses. This horse is going over there as an eight-year-old, or you know, best best part of it. it, it nothing to prove going over there. Uh, Black Caviar probably went over there with the with the most pressure on her because when you're undefeated, you can only you know ever get beat. Uh, and you know she suffered the setback and and Mood's got a, a, through to win. Uh, the others didn't go there with with the uh, the. Not not hype, but the 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 level of expectation for what they've done in Australia, 
they went there a little bit unheralded, for want of a, a better term, uh, when they went to England and basically snuck under the radar a little bit there. And, you know, Nature Strip goes there as our best sprinter, uh, rated as one of, one of, if not the best sprinter in the world. So there's a massive amount of pressure. And mm. the fact he is going there towards the end of his career... And, you know, who would have thought, you know, maybe 12 months ago or two years ago, he might have been better suited to go there. But, um, you know, I, I do think, and I, I think a lot of things Chris has done is to try and relieve some pressure from him. Uh, he doesn't want to be there in the hustle and bustle of Newmarket. He wants to be there. You know, Charlie. Charlie's very, very, um, uh, well, he did a lot of his work in England, you know, where they are at Lambourne. So he knows everything there. So they've ticked that little box there. He doesn't want to be bothered by the media. He's willing to send out uh, releases of what the horses are doing. He doesn't get bothered there. So he's, he's ticking all the boxes because, you know, I, I just think uh, he really thinks that this is, a you know, his biggest test in training. Mm. And Chris, I'll ask you this and then we'll go to a break. If, heaven forbid, and I'm just um, being devil's advocate here, if this horse was to get beat tonight uh, and the Home Affairs was to get beat on Saturday, does that put a little dent in our um, thoughts as a racing jurisdiction on how good our sprinters are? And maybe does it put a dent on some of our races and what we think they're rated? I don't think so, Dave. It's one of those ones where we're going up, we've got a horse, and as Munn's quite rightfully put it, pointed out this horse is going at the end of his career when he's done everything he he's done everything he needed to do in australia he's won an everest he's he, he won three tjs he's won vrc sprints he's he's, he's been there as an eight-time group one winner he's going over for the cream on the top rather than to try and um assert his authority on the on the world so um if you think look at a horse like miss andretti she she went over and um she was she was basically at the top of her game when she went there, and she she ran fifty seven, I think someone was saying today, and absolutely blitzed them. Now they're very similar preparations for all these horses that go to to go to Ascot um, to give an insight into what it takes to win there. Usually they go to a, a race at Flemington down the straight and win or run very well during the autumn, so they've got that straight track experience, which is is ticked off on numerous occasions. And um, and they go over there with a light autumn, not a really heavy one. So they have two or three runs. And I think Chris has looked at that, taken all that into account. The other thing Chris, I spoke to him yesterday, made a point of. Last time he went with Brazen Bow, he went with just one horse. And he said, it's very hard with one horse. He said, these two horses being together, they're great mates. And it's calm time affairs down. But it's just given Nature Strip a mate to, to follow around and things like that. So um, he's saying that is one of the more important things he's got. He's got two horses to work with. They get on well. They're, they're, they're in each other's company. And all his staff over there uh, are very happy with them. I think Nature Strip will be be seen as one of our greatest ever sprinters if he wins on wins tonight. And I'm expecting him to run really well and... You know, the three, I think he was 11 to 4 on Saturday. So that shows you where the market's going. He's 11 to 4 to 7 to 4, which is 375 to 275 in, in markets. That, that just shows you that the market is gravitating towards him strongly. And, you know, Golden Power might get to, towards 4 or 5 to 1 by race time. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts closer to even money. Yeah, we'll take a break. Two ninety now, Nature Strip. Golden Power out to 420, Jeez. and Twilight calls out to 850. They've turned the three picks all out. All right, we'll, we'll get to a break. Uh, we'll come back shortly. We're going to have a look at racing at uh, Randwick on Saturday and also touch on some of the other races to come out of Eagle Farm. Plus, take your calls, 13.53.53, if you've got a question for our panel.
This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It certainly is Punters Postmortem. You're with Chris Roots and Glenn Munsey this morning, plus Dave Stanley. And uh, we're going to chat now about the Bob Charlie AO Stakes, Dragonstone. Uh, big win. Congratulations to the, the Jenkins family and a, a few others in that particular horse. Munns, great performance. In fact, Nick Quinn's in that horse as well. Um, just the way in which he seems to have just uh, have gone to another level, this preparation, he was great in uh, on Saturday, wasn't he? Yes, he was, uh, Dave. Uh, also, congratulations to Andrew Giorgio. He's in there. Uh, Nick Zafiris, uh, who's uh, moved across to the Lotteries uh, Corporation. And uh, Maddie Jenkins' uh, parents. Uh, Maddie sent me a message. and said they've actually bought into its half-brother uh, by Headwater. So mum and dad there, and uh, Matty had his girls on Saturday getting their How photo good. taken. And, I, uh, I think, I think Munns, from talking to Jenko back when he was working for the tab and now he's at the ATC, I'm fairly sure, I could be wrong, but this might be the his oldies first sort of venture into racing, possibly. And maybe they've had shares and horses before, but isn't that amazing, the racing bug? If this is their first horse, now they're suddenly getting into half-brothers, half-sisters. They'll have they'll have the whole family soon. Well, you wouldn't be rushing to get it if you've got a dud one, Dave, um, <laughs> to, to, to buy a relation or get into it. But no, he, he, he bounced back. Um, you know, he'd been really well handled by Andermatt on those, those very heavy tracks. And Mark took him down to Flemington, down the straight there. Well, who's to say? What sort of horse is this horse going to be? Passive-aggressive. Uh, because Dragonstone gave him four kilos in that race down the straight. I just thought he was a little bit under the odds on Saturday. I must admit, I'm a Mamaragan. A lot of people say you should self-report if you keep bapping Mamaragan, but I thought that was a good race for him Saturday, and he was one of the best back runners in the race, so I, I didn't have it on my own, but he just refuses to settle. Mm. Mamaragan, I'm, I'm desperate for him. I think he's going really well this time in. Um, I just think he needs a race where he draws inside and can get a smother early. Uh, because he, he 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 just got posted and just pulled his head off in that race there, and he had to stride forward. But Dragonstone, well, I, I didn't think Dragonstone would be on the back of Mamaragan. I thought Mamaragan would be on the back of Dragonstone, and you know that they, they uh, I think that you know they were the best two horses in the race. Prime Candidate, well, he got attacked for the lead in the race at Eagle Farm the previous Saturday, uh, and he showed that. You know, he's probably ready to run a very, very good race um, his next start, and but he, he wants, to, wants to stay on top of the ground. Uh, the others, um, probably, you know, not the, not the greatest runs in the world. We've got a caller on the line. Greg wants to talk about Ramwick Race 4, and I think that was the performance. Uh, well, that was the midway. G'day, Greg. Yeah, g'day, Dave. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. What's, uh, what's your question to uh, Chris and Glenn? Yeah, um, mainly Munns. I just want to congratulate Munns on Cliff's art. Well done for finding that, mate. And um, I backed that on the tote too after um, you were talking about it on Friday. So thanks for that. Oh, don't send uh, praise, mate. Send cash. <laughs> yeah, no worries. We'll do, buddy. Give me your address and I'll send an envelope. But, um, yeah, the next... I wanted to talk about Race 4 and Rebel Shadow. It seemed to me that um, he'd had the race wrapped up in the last 50 to 100 metres there with Tyler Schiller on board. Um, and it seemed to steer towards the inside of the, tr- oh, sorry, the um, the outside of the track, uh, and sort of just gave the race up. And you know, I was on at twenty to one, um, and on the tote there, it ended up paying quite a bit, I think. But um, yeah, any idea what are your thoughts on what happened there with Rebel Shadow, Mum? Well, Tyler Schiller just said when he gave him a couple with the stick, he, he wanted to run off, but uh, every time he sort of tried to get him going, it. He got him going for another couple of strides, and then he'd go for him again and, and give him another sort of dig, and he'd, he'd just want to run it. He'd never sort of run away like that in the past, and it's a sick feeling, isn't it, yeah. when you're on one and they just loom up and you just, you know, you, you do want to go the early crow, and more often than not you do because it just loomed up outside a zone there, and you just thought to yourself, well, this is all right, mm-hmm. and then you go, oh, my God, what's he doing here? He's getting out, and then you're getting the lean on to try and sort of line him up where he is. And next minute, you're laying on the ground because you're comatosed. And he's thrown the race away. And and reading the stewards' report yesterday, guys, um, two things out of it. Obviously, Tyler said that, you know, um, he used the stick in the right hand uh, because he thought there was going to be no issue in the horse... Um, you know, uh, would not react, or the, his mount would not react um, similarly again. The other thing, too, uh, revealed the gilding to be lame. Two and a half, uh, two out of five lame in the off four leg. 
So uh, Portelli, Mr. Portelli has advised that um, a warning will be placed on the racing manners and there's going to be a, a veterinary clearance before we see Rebel Shadow again. So more to the story. I don't know if the, the lameness has had anything to do with the way in which he's reacted, but um, yeah, just a, another another way to get beat, isn't it, Glenn? Oh, certainly so. And, and you know, Tyler had uh, ridden it at its last four runs, so it wasn't as if he didn't know the horse and whether or not he thought the horse had any sort of particular quirks. It wasn't as if the first time he jumped on it. And maybe, you know, the offside is the um, on the horse there, Dave, is the, is the, the leg which is nearest to the inside rail water. So maybe he was running away from that sauna. So if you're, if you're running in a straight line... Um, and you've got a you know a sore right leg. You're maybe sort of leaning towards the left. That 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 could have been a, a possibility there. But he, he hadn't shown those tendencies before. But yes, you can put that down as reason number four thousand two hundred and sixty-eight of uh, the way to do your money. Hundred percent. Thanks for your call, Greg. Uh, just on uh, Sydney, uh, Chris uh, G. Bjorn. Well, he produced a nice two-year-old uh, in uh, Wingardium there, which won the second. Her eyes were on. The favourite in the race, um, Emily Ramagina, uh, but uh, another winner for Dylan Gibbons, and this looked like it won with a nice turn of foot, this Vancouver filly, from well back. Yeah, it got back in the field, and once it got to the centre, I think, doing the format of the day, I think if you're back towards the inside, probably out to about three off the fence, it's probably worse going than in the centre. They, they tended to, they tended to get, horses that got wide were able to keep going, and this horse got to the centre, and didn't she let go? go nicely. I think she might be a better filly over seven to a mile so she might be one to watch. She might have a couple of runs now during the winter, pick up a bit more Bob's money and then um, maybe look to knock off one of those early um, um, fillies races in the spring. Okay. Um, oh, the just... dog's back. The, yeah, dogs, the dogs, yeah, the so dogs barking some, again. Yeah, it might be that bloke delivering something. He got it quick. I've got to talk about race three because uh, we saw the return of Waihaha Falls here, Chris. I know you were quite keen on Waihaha Falls. And the favourite Queen Bellissimo will got into a good position. And um, again, reading that Stewart's report, um, when they questioned D. Gibbons and said, look, what was going on? He just said it was really disappointing um, and she was under heavy pressure and even um, Brad Whittup saying to stewards afterwards that had been working really well. I think they expected a really good performance from Queen Belisabo and um, maybe he'd experiment with the tongue tie in the um, in the Mayor's track work because there was a... Uh, Gibbons reported that the Mayor was making a respiratory... Restri- oh, I can't even say it. Respiratory um, noise. Um, respiratory um, noise in the race, yeah. I spoke to Brad on Sunday at Hawkesbury and, and okay. he said... Maybe he, he, he's got two possibilities. Maybe it was the inside, uh, because if you had a look at her, she travelled She travelled very sweetly in the run. But similar in the previous race, the two-year-old, Midnight in Tokyo, travelled sweetly on the fence. And they got to about the 100-metre mark. And Dylan said at the 100, about the 100 metres, it let out... Um, like a not a, like a sigh, like a, a, a noise, and and that was she was gone from that point onwards. So mm. he, he's he, he's got to you know check her out to see whether there was any problem, but also may have just added to the fact she was on the inside. She had handled um, rain affected tracks before, but he, he was more concerned with that noise that she made. Jesus went went smart though, Chris, isn't he? I think think what happened was Clemenceau got got to the front, but. The winner got to it so quick and just put it away so quick. It, it can put them under a little bit more stress if they're not already feeling it. And that might have had something to do with it. If, if she was rolling the tongue back and, and, and wasn't breathing properly, that, that probably exacerbates what, what was going on. But the winner, um, Reese Jones, he just, when, when it lobbed 1 1, you're thinking, thinking, well, if this is going to, if this lets go like it can, it's going to, it's going to put us a gap in them. And that's what it did. It just went, it tra- travelled. He, he pulled it out of the, just topping the rise, and from then on in, it was a, a matter of um, times, margins, and pay. Please, mm. extraordinary too. Um, just on Reese, what twelve, nearly twelve months ago, or twelve months, nearly to the day, Chris, that he was doing a similar thing there at uh, Ramwick and riding, um, you know, a, a large amount of winners. Yeah, it is a good time of year for apprentices because with all the big boys away in Brisbane and out overseas and taking their um, their winter winter breaks, they get a real opportunity, especially ones with big claims like Reese and and Dylan Gibbons. Like Reese has still got two kilos, and Dylan's got three. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how Chris Lee's manages Dylan Goodwin's over the next couple of couple of months because there is a there is in the back of their mind that there's a he can't win the premiership this year, but he can definitely put himself in a good spot next year. And he, that three kilo claim is going to be vital early on. So I'll be I wouldn't be surprised if we see him see him not every week in Sydney. He might might have a couple of weeks off just to just to protect the the claim a little bit because he is isn't is a very good rider, especially on front runners. Reese yeah, well, Jones, he's he's very polished, isn't he? He can he can ride a race. He, he doesn't have to be on a leader, and there's not many apprentices that can do this. He doesn't have to be on a leader. He can he can be back in the field and come with one run, like we saw him on Saturday a couple of times. He. He, he can judge, he's got a very good judgment and that comes to the grounding that Rod Northern gave him up in Scone. and he didn't let him go, he didn't let him go, go to town too soon. He's, it made them, made him write out his claims and things like that. And when you see that with apprentices and one of the big cases in points was Michael Wright. I remember Brian Guy said, um, he was on the Gold Coast and he wasn't allowed to leave the Gold Coast till he got his 80 wins in the provincial area. And that was the making of him because these blokes learn how to ride a race and they have to be the best in that area. And the same thing with Tommy Berry. He stayed at Kembler and Newcastle for a lot longer than his brother Nathan did. And you can see, you can see it in his riding. When he got to town, he was, he, he could ride a race. And sometimes when they're rushed, they, they just don't have that, the ability to learn because they're taking on um, much better riders who, who will put them in awkward situations. Well, and if they when when they outride their claim in the bush, they've got all these old hardheads now to ride against on level terms in the bush, and they're not going to get any favours. And I think it toughens them up. Then they come to town and they've got a claim. Now, apprentices rode seven of the ten winners on Saturday mm-hmm. at Randwick. They only rode one yesterday at Warwick Farm, but they come to town as a three kilo apprentice, having already ridden for an extended period of time as basically, in inverted commas, a senior jockey in the bush circuit. And they're learning every single day in the bush. Now, they're probably not as, um, not as conservative in the bush, for want of a better term. So if, if, you, if you're half pie, not 100% sure what you're going to do in the bush, well, someone's there just going to bang. You get back in there, son. You're not getting any favours here. And they come to town as a much, much better rider and a smarter rider. We've got Michael Maxworthy on the line, guys. Of course, Maxie was a part of the coverage there on Sky Thoroughbred Central on Saturday for the uh, the Tab Stradbroke. G'day, Maxie. Good morning, fellas. Yes, uh, Stradbroke season coming to an end uh, with two Group 1s and a Group 2 there last Saturday. And uh, we now head towards Ipswich. We're back for the Tats TR at Eagle Farm. And then the Swan Song for the Carnival this year is the Sunny Coast. Yeah, it's uh, just on the Stradbroke. We we touched on obviously the the run of Alligator Blood and the performance, uh, and uh, obviously 150 Group Ones now for Gay Waterhouse, and a lot of credit she threw the way of Adrian Bott. Uh, we also did touch on the second horse. What was your thoughts on the run of Private Eye, Alligator Blood, etc.? Oh, look, Alligator Blood was fantastic. I, I must admit. Um, I was a little bit concerned about his summer campaign. I actually tipped him to win the Loch Ney and um, people were actually laughing at me and I thought, well, you know, if he gets back to some of that old form, he's going to be hard to beat against that opposition. But he didn't show up at all. But um, Waterhouse Bot, uh, they've just got him absolutely flying. We saw him trial in Sydney before coming back to Brisbane. I believe he was recently located to Chris Munt Stables. Gay and Chris, as we know, go back a long way and and Adrian's been overseeing the training of this horse, and he put the writing on the wall, didn't he? First up, when he was beaten narrowly in the BRC sprint when covering ground, and and then the other day he really showed us what he's made of. But yes, as you touched on it a little earlier, no need to harp on it. Private Eye was stiff. It was just a situation that Brenton made coming towards the home turn. Obviously, he was looking for room, and as soon as he came off the fence, the gap appeared inside at Emerald Kingdom. Um, but he, he, he was very, very unlucky in the race. But I think overall, Glenn, it was a bit of a messy race, wasn't it, for Stradbroke? I'd be a little bit concerned about the form with what happened at the start there. Horses were in positions that they were unfamiliar with. I like Laws of Indices and surprised to see him up outside the leader. So 
he was sort of ridden upside down. What was your take on the race? Yeah, we spoke about it earlier, Maxie. We said, well, when Apache Chase was slow away, um, the whole complexion of the early part of the race changed because we were expecting Rothfire to come across Apache Chase to drive up on the fence and them to sort of really burn. And I think a lot of jockeys just... They were a bit flummoxed by the fact that Apache Chase wasn't there, and it changed their opinion. They probably thought Rothfire and Apache Chase may have been a couple of lengths ahead of the rest of them, and they could slot in and do what they wanted. But when they didn't go as hard, well, they had to probably travel a little bit further forward than they wanted to be, and that stopped them getting on the track. Yeah. A couple of really good runs to come out of it, though. Looking forward to the tiara in a fortnight. Brooklyn Hustle, I know she gets us in all the time, but again, she's rattled off an amazing sectional, Dave. And uh, Star Tonte's got home quite as well as Brooklyn Hustle coming through in the middle. Um, Now, Maxie, uh, you're speaking about Star Tonte's there, a three-year-old. If Yanni had two spots left on the float for a three-year-old, would Kiss Sum be on one side and political debate on the other? Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always look at these late maturing two-year-olds for coming out of the uh, the Queensland Carnival and political debate um, was absolutely super there last Saturday. Glenn, um, you were there with Ronnie and myself watching the races there on Saturday. The way I approached the form was I was give, giving horses a chance because the previous couple of weeks horses could fly home at Eagle Farm, but um, I got the form wrong. I was looking at horses mostly midfield and back fighting the line, but gee, a lot of horses found it difficult. Uh, with that track firming up, we've had no rain throughout the week. With that track firming up throughout the afternoon, the leaders just kept on rolling. So um, when you're doing your form, if you, you see something that made progress in the home straight, and there were a few, I've actually marked them down, I think you could probably back them a little bit of confidence going forward. Yeah, well, you, you look at the, the bookends of the program, Maxie, and uh, the first winner of the, the Oxlade was Johnny Rocker, who'd come off the, the Sunshine Coast Polly. Well, it just found the found the fence and kept going. And Palayapan, which is a horse that you've had sort of in your, in your tips uh, in well, probably lower-grade races than that, once again, just straight along the fence, we've, we've had a situation here where as these tracks are drying out, it is more difficult for these horses to make ground. Hawkesbury's been nearly impossible for horses to make ground the last couple of meetings on drier tracks, and not many came from back in the field at Warwick Farm yesterday. So um, if you can find those ones, Maxie, uh, if you can find them on your own, uh, those ones that make ground, uh, yeah. it's always better. But sometimes um, the, the flashing light runs that everyone sees co- could be the ones potentially to avoid because they go up short of their next run. Two things, uh, guys. just want to go to Chris Roots here. Chris, uh, any discussion from the Coolmore team about political debate and, and next uh, season? Is it um, obviously they'll look at Golden Roses and those three-odd races, but... Geez, um, I can't wait till they maybe get him out to, to 10 furlong if they want to go that way, considering his breeding too. And a comment on the uh, the Snowden runner too, because what an extraordinary um, journey it's had, you know, coming from Perth to then be ridden by Pikey over here in the East and, and winning for those connections. Well, um, having the Snowdens had a, a, a fat carnival, like three group ones now, and they've got probably got one of the favourites for the tiara in Jasmati, so they're, they're just flying. Um, she's a belter. Wasn't even entered for the um, size or the JJ. They were they were just going to pull up stumps after the Carter Stakes. But when that meeting got called off, the option came to run at seven furlongs. She come out and and, and put them away at seven furlongs, paying a six thousand late entry, and then she paid. They had to pay the late entry again for the. Uh, wow. For the JJ and got the money again. So a millions jumped in for two late entries and. Um, Pike's ride on this was um, quite brilliant because he got going at the top of the straight and put a gap on the, on the two Colts, um, political debate and Brosnan, and, and it was just enough to let her see out the mile. I don't know whether she, in, in the end she's going to be a strong miler. She might be better served at seven furlongs as, as an older horse, but she got the job done and, um, and, and beat them. Political the blade did it just sprouted wings at the end. I, I was on Brosnan and I thought it was going to clear. It clearly ran second. That's how fast it came. Knocked Brosnan back into third. But um, I I just thought the ride by Pike was the difference in the race. James got back and had to come through them. I thought um, when when Brosnan's 
um, started to come. You thought it, thought it was going to get there, but he just he just got it absolutely perfect. And you know, he he got on the plane on Saturday night, walked past, and I, he said, "How was your day?" I said, "Oh, okay, not as good as yours." What, what about well, he, you know? And uh, his manager's a... got to get him a seat closer to the front. He can't be, you know, it's far too hard for him to buy our drinks if he's down that end of the plane and he's not up there in the the rows that have got single. What figures. about what about the Q twenty two guys? Well, we've got Maxi on the line, and we'll let, let you boys go. Um, Numerian Adabel Nisha. Doesn't matter that there was no Zaki because uh, this horse picks up the chocolates and uh, what uh, seven hundred and twenty jumps in. Numerian off a Gosford Cup win. Yeah, this this is a race that I was talking about, Dave, where nothing happened in the home straight. I mean, you could have stopped the, the tape at the 400 metres mark, and that was your result, with the exception of your horse, Stano, Maximal. Now, gee, I think once this guy learns to settle and matures a little bit more, he's going to make into a really good wait-for-age horse between your 2000s and 2400. Uh, he had to go back from that 13 gate. He was giving them 15-length start and slightly held up in the straight and worked to the line beautifully to be only beaten two lengths behind you, Marion, who led at a beautiful rate by Tommy Berry. Colding, obviously, getting back onto a, a dry track suited him. Uh, but Maximo, I thought, was clearly the run of the race, um, Dave, in that Q22. Keep on his tail. Next preparation. Yes, uh, he's been one that we followed. Gee, I love, you know, we talk about, um, uh, you know, the ride then of Pike. I think that when we talk about jockeys and horses, um, there's just something about Nash, the way he can just stand over these horses. And I think he, Maximel's really responded in these last two runs uh, with the urgings of Nash. And then just while I've got you, uh, just to quickly kiss some who... I thought it was very good in the Gunsing Classic, uh, Maxie. Um, at the 3.30, if you're on, I'm sure that uh, some other punters got better out there, but he just loomed and just went whoosh. Yeah, well, the tempo um, was quite good, and Jason Collett just had him in, in the perfect spot. Um, he hadn't had a lot of luck at his recent runs, Kiss some, but he wasn't going to be hemmed away there on Saturday. He had him one off the fence, a couple of lengths off the lead, and... I just love the way this horse extended over the last 200 metres. And I think it was a good form race for Gunsin this year. Battleton, obviously, is a talent. I thought the run of the third horse was exceptional. Lock Eagle, he sort of sort of missed the boat a little bit, turning into the straight, but worked to the line strongly, proving that he's not just a wet tracker, Lock Eagle. He's equally as good up on top of the ground. And I think Flying Crazy was quite good too. He's been up for a long time and... We didn't see the best of him on Saturday. I did read a quote from Gerald saying that we're probably going to keep him to shorter trips, 12 to 1,400. But, gee, the future looks bright for Kiss Sam. And you can tell Tracy Barkley had that glint in his eye. And um, he's got um, some big pickings coming up in October with the Golden Eagle. And he could come back for and be a legitimate chance in the Stradbroke in 12 months' time. He certainly could. Uh, Maxie, thanks for your time. I'll get some horses to follow from you on the text, mate, and we'll get that up on the socials just out of the weekend, some horses that you think we can we can follow as punters on the uh, on the meeting. OK, I'll do that right now. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Michael, Maxie, there. Speaking of horses to follow, Chris, your horses to follow for the weekend of racing. Well, you're not going to get $9 again, but why, ha-ha, fours will be winning... Um, more races, this preparation can be probably followed into the ne- its next preparation as well. I thought Sir Lemur was a, a good enough yesterday. Um, Chris Waller doing his his usual usual thing with his horses, taking every grade along the way. I think next time we'll see it'll be on a Saturday, and I think you'll see Hugh Bowman on it again. I think it's 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 got it's got a, another couple of wins in in at this preparation, and one that I think. Might be a smoky for the um, Tats Tiara if they go that way. April rain. Now, you're going to say I'm mad because it it, it has been uh, a money muncher for a lot of punters, but it was four wide the trip on the weekend and had the temerity to loom up in the straight at about the 200 metre mark. It's only been in a couple of lengths. And like Maxie said, it was very hard to keep making ground from back in the field. So I think it, it, it can if it goes to a Tiara, it could be uh, one to be on a bit of odds. Okay. Uh, Munns, your horses to follow? Going a bit wide, Dave, as I like to do, but I thought a flexible, uh, the Godolphin mare that ran in the, the Drinkwise Mile at only her second run back. I thought she was quite good there, considering she was burdened with the 58 kilos uh, there, only a second run back. And I thought Lord Ardmore 
went very, very good first up a bit later on uh, there for Chris Waller. I thought they were the two, too. Uh, I like to find them, you know, earlier in their preps, Dave, so that they can go. Mm-hmm. Lord Ardmore was first up Saturday. And when you consider his form last time in, he had form round Mighty Beal and Huetor. Um, I thought his run was very good Saturday. Uh, I actually had him in my numbers Saturday, and the other runner there was flexible. I think they're the they're the two. And uh, we've had Maxi on. We could have got his tips on the uh, the Ipswich Cup, the Eyeliner, and the Gay Waterhouse because uh, the Ipswich Cup market is up for Saturday. Bartholomew Diaz, who caused a surprise winning at Eagle Farm two weeks ago, is the four dollar favourite for the Ipswich Cup and the Eyeliner Stakes Hollyfield for Annabelle Neesham has gone up as the favourite there and the Gay Waterhouse I don't think is that far away with uh, I think oh. you'll find the barrier draw might be done this morning I think Joycey was going out to Ipswich to yep. uh, host the barrier draw for the Ipswich Cup yeah I think Joycey and Kiam were both there on Sky Racing 1 uh, this morning gents enjoy tonight uh, enjoy watching uh, Royal Ascot backing winners this week and thanks for coming on the program today certainly Dave see you mate